What's up, everybody? I'm TJ. And I'm Kelsey. And we are the, the Nashville, Nashville Wine Duo. Duo. starting off with that. Uh, so this is Vendicchio, uh, a fantastic little grape from the east coast of Italy, about halfway down in the area called the Marche. One of the more characterful Italian whites in my mind. You know, Grigio gets the familiarity, I guess, with a lot of people as far as what they think of Italian whites. Yeah. Uh, Texture-wise, I always think of it as great for people who want maybe sort of like an unoak style of Chardonnay. There's some texture there. The acidity is a bit more lifted here down there. Chardonnay can't have that. Right. Uh, and there's this really pretty almondy note that finishes on the end, uh, which is cool because I think in people's palates, it can mimic an oak flavor profile enough that I think, again, it still fits a great nook, a niche for people that want to be adventurous, but that like a little bit more fuller bodied kind of style. Of wine. So as you were talking, I'm just thinking like when people go into order, you know, Italian wine, they often think red. They don't always think white. Yeah, and if absolutely. they do think white, they think Pinot Grigio. So exactly. if someone were to come to Etch and they ordered, like, wanted to order Pinot Grigio, would you be like, hey, maybe try this? Like, would you kind of push them in a different direction? It depends. So Pinot Grigio uh, stylistically is probably similar to a couple of other grapes more so than it would be to this. I might try to veer them into Albarino. Uh, to kind of stay in, in that, yeah, with, yeah. depending on whether or not I feel like I want, they're ready to get pushed far enough out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Because uh, that's always kind of a gauge when you have guests in there. You want to see if they want comfort or if they want adventure, and then slowly try to pull them along in that in that direction. Uh, but this is, uh, I, I think it, it wouldn't be too far out that it could be exciting for someone that has something in mind Italian, maybe they visited Italy, maybe they mm -hmm. have familial right. ties yeah. to it somewhere and want something that is a bit more indigenous to it, not that Pinot Grigio isn't, right. but that has a bit more. The name is, is so interesting, yeah. I can't even know if I can even pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, but, well, I kind of <laughs> put the little accent on there, but uh, Verticchio. 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 Yeah. See? Okay. Much kind of easy. Yeah, it is easy to say. Area. Awesome. But uh, yeah, just one of my favorite Italian whites to kind of sip on. It's mm -hmm. incredibly versatile with ton of food. Uh, it has just great acidity, great texture, uh, and then that little almondy nutty kind of note at the end. Well, I'm excited. Uh, Let's give it a try. Yeah. I totally get the almond mm -hmm. you were talking about. Very nice. I really love this. This is great. And it just lingers mm -hmm. a little bit longer. Uh, Pinot Grigio is much, I think, cleaner, leaner, easier yeah. to kind of move through, which is great with maybe different types of food, but this can, I think, rock with even heavier style totally. dishes. But, yeah, it really like lingers in your mouth. Yeah. Like you're saying, I love, I don't know, it's very complex for a white. Um, mm -hmm. I really enjoy this, and I can see what you're saying about it going well with like any kind of food. It's um, very smooth at front. Yeah. Punches you a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> it really kicks yeah. in. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. the texture kind of leads up front and then it feels yeah. like just but as it finishes, it, it kind of still tingles on its way over, which kind of helps lengthen the flavor. Yeah. yeah. That's why sort of acidity really nice. is not just in wine, but in food is so important because it just helps sort of 
everything intermingled. Yeah. yeah. And you serve this by the glass and by the bottle? Indeed. Okay. As well. So it's. They immediately uh, put a smile on my face. Like, as soon as they said that, I'm like, oh, yep. this is so good. It's great. Awesome. So just like kind that. of plug in quirky. Not that we don't have styles of wine that are going to be a bit more familiar for people who yeah. want that comfort. But if you don't have a couple of goodies to kind of really excite someone, especially at a place like here, I think, to kind of mimic the style of food that we do and certainly the pedigree uh, and reputation that uh, Etch has built, thanks to our executive chef, Deb Paquette. Uh, if there isn't a bit of adventure in the beverages as well as the food, I feel that it's kind of lost a little bit of a bonus. Yeah. yeah. So how did you come across this wine? I This particular bottling is uh, brought in by an import company, Vineyard Brands, that a, a good friend of mine works for. So uh, oh. I was already uh, fond of this particular grape after going through down the rabbit hole of Italy specifically, which yeah. is you can potentially never get out of if you yeah. go down that far down. But it, it was just stylistically a wine that I kind of really enjoyed for all the reasons that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. And then she tasted me on this particular one, and not only was it delicious, but it was a nice little way to kind of give a little bit of love to a, a friend of mine that's been in that for a while. Yeah. So it's a win-win. 100%. Man, this is so good. Funny side note, too, we, you know, we took our mask down, obviously, we were going to start drinking, and I saw he had a mustache, and I was like, uh, I love his mustache. You don't know what it, people it look old. like anymore. It's no. so kind of crazy. It's funny how you can think of, based on from here on up, you sort of, your mind naturally tries to build what the missing pieces oh, are, and then the surprise ends up being yeah. terrible. Well, and I said this the other day to somebody, and I don't mean to be mean to anybody, but I feel like uh -oh. all people look younger when they take it down. All people. I don't know I'll why. I, I do. I yes, feel like, I'm like, oh my gosh, your face. It's, it's, yeah, like I thought that at TJ too. So funny. Yeah, but <laughs> anyway, just went on that side note. But let's move on to the okay. next one. But first, I wanted you to. So you're kind of telling us a little bit about this wine before we got into it. It's a Portuguese right. wine. Yes. And you said that you you are Portuguese. Yeah, my last name is Portuguese. Yeah. I guess more be more Peruvian than Portuguese. Okay. French and German as well. But my last name is Portuguese. Guimarães is a little town northeast of Porto uh, in the Dora region. Actually, which is where we are here with the wine, uh, full on medieval castle there. Like I was telling you before, I yeah. had original plans of going there and claiming my heirdom, but it's a much more common name there than, than it is oh. in the United States. So it, it still sounds it, was, it, it sounds it's yeah, yeah. a <laughs> kind of work really well. But what I uh, never mind the, the personal sort of connection yeah. with uh, Portugal in that respect. I've always loved uh, Portuguese. I mean, it's only been since the fifties. That produces these are essentially the grapes that have been made into port for centuries. These but, are the grapes that have been made into yeah, port. Yeah, Turiga oh, Nacional, the okay. primary grape, Turiga Franca, Turiga Tinta Roriz. Uh, these are all the grapes that have been been used in port production, at least in red port. But it wasn't since the 50s that super producers started trying to make dry red wines with them, and they ended up being absolutely phenomenal. Actually, this. Uh, bottling by Pratt and Symington, uh, Postscriptum. They have a bigger brother. It's, it's Postscriptum de Crusea. Their Crusea bottling, which is sort of their like, 700 series, whatever, okay. the top tier of their pyramid, uh, was the number three wine spectator wine of the year in 2014. Oh, wow. 2011 and uh, certainly, I think the, the quality of the grapes uh, is now, I think, supported by the Bordelais as well, because actually Turiga Nacional has just been approved as a new permissible Bordeaux great uh, in the last really? couple of years. Well, the global warming kind of changing how yeah. grapes yeah. are going to grow. Yeah, but that. it's a uh, it's a wine that has uh, naturally high tannin, as you were talking about the color when we were pouring it, yeah. uh, when we were off camera. Uh, some good concentration as well, 
and a beautiful perfume, a natural sort of violety uh, aromatic that is really distinctive. Well, I love the fact that it can, can play in the realm of somebody who likes Cabernet drinkers, mm -hmm. uh, Cabernet wines, uh, whether or not for California or Bordeaux or from yeah. Washington State or South America even. But it's a fun, bolder style wine mm -hmm. that, again, talking about the adventure yeah. nook that we try to have enough offerings of, uh, also by the glass yeah. as well and by the bottle. So just an example of the fact that uh, I hope that there are selections that can be adventurous. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I mean, I think wine, that's kind I'm of like all about wine. That's drinking. awesome. I love how like wine is like everywhere. It's all over the world and like there's so many like avenues to it and like it's never ending of like what you can know about it. And that's, I was going to ask you though, like, so if the average person that like would look at this bottle, so like, you know, what would you, what would you describe it like to a person that doesn't know anything about wine? Like what would be like a very simple way to be like, this is what this is? Think of maybe the umph of Cabernet, okay. the floral notes uh, of Merlot, mm -hmm. and maybe a bit of the texture and fruit profile also of Malbec. I think. So again, these are all Bordeaux grapes, yeah. but uh, that floral note is pretty distinctive there. And in certain styles, Merlot can have a really pretty perfume as well. I find it a lot in Washington okay. wines as well. So I think that is something that people can familiarize or have. Yeah. Awareness of or experience with that they can kind of see what this jigsaw puzzle or flavor might end up coming across to them. Yeah. yeah. But it's incredible, just a fun option if you're. It does smell. Yeah. But firm enough again to handle mm -hmm. the same thoughts that you would have of pairing the classic, you know, Cabernet with steak or things like that. What do you love about it? Well, I love a good cab, and I like a good Malbec. Yeah. And it's kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. It's kind of like this, this trio of just it, like. Of, yeah, you get the vibes from all three. Mm -hmm. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Cab, Merlot, the smell, the, yeah. Malbec gives you a little bit more texture, and the fruit can sometimes be a little bit more blue, blackberry, black raspberry sort of thing, which. The flavor profile here stays generally in, uh, but then that floral thing is pretty distinctive. With the grape. And then the, the tannins, and I think the pump of the yeah. as well. I love so. the tannins in this too. Yeah, instead of GSM, you can make the GMM. <laughs> 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 I really enjoy this. But I love that you guys serve it by the glass and mm -hmm. the bottle, like you were saying, because it, it could really get someone to try it, number yeah. one, and then, yeah. you know, if they're really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. It's got some nice acidity at the end too. Yeah. So there's not a lot of like tannin going on, which it's more just very smooth to me. And then with the acidity mm -hmm. in the end, right? Yeah. I think so. yeah it, it is naturally a tannic yeah. grape, but uh, but it doesn't like punch you in the face. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. on top of your bottle, that something that they intend to certainly age for much longer is going to probably be built in the way where they're definitely yeah. kind of more tannic. But this is sort of kind of out of the gate ready. Yeah. Awesome. I think it's so cool that you get to introduce people to. Wine. Yeah. You know, I just in there and talking to them and getting to hear kind of what they're into, you can right. kind of steer them, like yeah. you were saying earlier, like, hey, I've got something for you to try. Well, I mean, it's kind of fun. Usually I kind of tease them after the fact that if they do discover something that they wouldn't normally think, whether or not it's a particular grape or an area of the world that they hadn't been in before, uh, 
uh, and they end up enjoying it and they'll take a picture of the label. Yeah. And they get to go home and when they get together with their group of friends, they're there swanky, oh, have you even heard of this world? <laughs> this other part of the world? Well, let me, let me show you what it's all about. So they, they, they tend to be the cool, yeah. Uh, the cool person. Well, I might feel cool after this. Yeah. I might be like, oh, I'm a touch, not talking to somebody. <laughs> so, how often are you here? Uh, I mean, it's the it's the life of, of uh, hospitality. Okay. Uh, for I mean, we were fortunately closed. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on whether or not you want to come to visit us on Sundays, we're closed on Sundays. But, uh, and then there's one other day in there randomly that gets free. But for the most part. Maybe about 10, 11, 12 hours a day. We're open for lunch and dinner, so it's the entire day. Both uh, shifts or both lunch and dinner have different menus, so there's all sorts of other fun things to kind of experience. But uh, but here, a, a good bit, and I, for the reasons that you were talking about, as far as being able to introduce people into new wines, uh, that's sort of what makes it feel less like work, too. Right. Because it's what you love. That. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. And certainly, while I'm, except for uh, situations like this notwithstanding, obviously I'm not going to be drinking a lot while I'm working. Yes, so yeah. the next best thing is just to live vicariously through yes, right. the taste buds. Uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, so are you like walking, you're walking around out there like pretty often? Yeah. Everybody can just yeah. I mean all of uh, the management over here, we end up having multiple roles. We'll kind of cover all the bases that we need to, whether or not it's uh, kind of expediting food out of the kitchen or just interacting with guests or helping Staff. I think it's, it's the sort of the management way that you would want it to be, where we're in sort of the, the trenches, I guess, with the, the infringement of the, the staff as they're kind of helping out there and doing what needs to be done, especially in this last year where things have been yeah. all up in the air and we're sort of learning how many people are transitioning and getting back out to dining, mm -hmm. uh, how to deal with expectations of how many people we should expect. And then staffing, and but that's all kind of the red tape of, of, of managing all of that. But it's it's been sort of tough for everybody, surely. But, right. uh, but it's made a lot better when you've got a good team of people that are that are ready to right. be where they need to be to kind of make sure the ship runs. So, do you um, are you the main person that's in charge of like the wine education when it comes to like the staff and mm -hmm. everything? Yep. Okay, so what does that like look like? Lately, I've actually used a uh, online uh, quiz probe or website, really called a Kia Q U I A, and formulated. Uh, this is again getting a little bit nerdy because I enjoy <laughs> that. Uh, created, uh, was it about, I think about 210, 220 random questions that I can input into there, and then it will randomly pull from those and create a little quiz. So I've been uh, poking at the staff, giving them little links via email that they go and sort of take this short little quiz and then we keep track of their scores and see how they do over the course of about a month. Oh, uh, wow. And then sort of give off prizes if they end up doing it. But the, the nifty thing is, is that all of, once you take the entire quiz and you click submit, there's feedback for every question that you've put in there. Cool. So they're learning things as they kind of go and the competitive nature, some of them will kind of come out if uh, they grumble over I, I knew that, I just hit the wrong button or something like yeah. that nature and when they do get something wrong you don't like anytime you take a kind of quiz like that even if it's something silly for trigger purposes when you get something wrong you don't you don't forget it because right. you're like, eh, I want to get it right, right. <laughs> so it helps it's just a fun way to sort of get information I like that I asked that question just because um we were talking to somebody recently too about when they visited like a winery mm -hmm. um, or other restaurants too and how they were disappointed that in a tasting the staff, the person on staff couldn't really 
clearly communicate what they were drinking at all. Um, and, you know, that's disappointing for, like, the people that are, like, all about the wine and, like, wanting their, the customers to know what they're drinking. And so I was like, okay, it's good to hear, like, that y'all are really taking a lot of pride in that and, like, teaching your staff about the wines and wanting, you know, that the customers can come in and not just have to be like, where's Rob? Like, they know they're going to be able to, like, talk to the staff and they're going to be educated enough to know, like, hey, this is what I know, what is good, you know, so right. I, I like that. We're even just giving the staff the right perspective as well because... Sometimes a whole mountain of information and notes on soil composition and vintage variation is going to be less important than, because the guests that are coming in are going to be in a different bracket of education themselves as well. Very true. Sometimes the best thing that a staff member could say, especially if you know, they've tasted some of the ones we have or they've won one because we sent them home with a having one, you know, best score over the course mm -hmm. of the year, and they end up loving it at home. They don't have to know a single thing about the wine, but if a guest comes in and they ask about their wine, yeah. and they can just say, you know what, I may not be able to tell you much about the technical details over there, but me and a couple of friends had that bottle last night, and man, it just went down like right. water. We kind of maybe had a few too many of it, yeah. we're still recovering, but it was freaking delicious, and that, that's, that's all that matters. They're speaking from experience, yeah. right. that's yeah. all that matters. Well, we can, we can testify to that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people that we talk to, um, about wine um, and through this whole last year, this whole journey of wine, we've met people from all walks of life and that's why we say anybody can be a part of the conversation. Like people that like are at a high, high caliber, small AA, you know everything, are people that know nothing and it, hey, if they just wanna know if it's good and they love it, that's really what matters. Um, but it's nice to know that here you have the option of like, if you are, you can come in here as an educated person or if like, with wine, I mean. But anybody can come in here. <laughs> not, I'll cut that part out. We've got a quiz up at the front of the door, actually. We're going to make sure that you pass a 75% of the Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice to know that um, people can come in here from all walks of life. People that know a lot about wine or people that don't know anything, and they're going to get a great experience, and they're going to get some really good wine. Yeah, we're all about showing and showcasing good wine. Yes. And the places in Nashville that you can find and good wine. Drink what so. you like and like what yeah, you drink. And don't say. let anybody judge you yeah. for it. So, um, and yeah, I just want to ask you a few, few more okay. questions and then we'll be done. But I just want to hear about, um, yeah, just you. Like, so how did you get in be, to be a sommelier and how did you Ooh. become to etch? Uh, I've been in hospitality for the entirety of my life. It started as a summer job at a casual dining restaurant like in like the late 90s. And maybe I benefited, or retroactively, I guess, benefited from being a bit of a procrastinator in terms of trying to figure out a career. I just stayed in serving and bartending for so long, it was convenient. I moved around a decent bit, so with the larger chain companies that I moved with, or that I worked with, it was convenient because I could move somewhere else, and there was likely going to be one there for me to be able to, uh, to transition to. And it wasn't until I moved to Nashville in 2010 that I tried my thought at setting some roots in a certain sense. My style of service I always felt was a little bit more polished even if I was in more kind of high volume, you know, uh, casual dining places. So it ended up that I ended up at a fine dining restaurant and they had a pretty substantial list that was much more than what I was familiar with with just your stereotypical kind of I'm not going to name any brand names, but you kind yeah. of know you know the, the yeah. brands that yeah. you find on every little mm -hmm. kind of restaurant. So I needed to sort of really expand my familiarity. The two sommeliers that were there ended up going on to different ventures. And at a certain point, there wasn't anybody 
thematically running the program, and it happened to coincide right when I started getting nerdy into it, passed a couple of certifications, mm -hmm. and then they thought to themselves, well, maybe you kind of know what you're doing. Do you want to yeah. kind of do this also, parlay that into actually doing it formally rather than as a byproduct of just having me on, on the staff? And then it sort of just exploded from there. I think I was lucky that I was in Nashville at the right place at the right time when the city itself mm -hmm. right. was growing up in a culinary and beverage aspect and an entire sort of community of sommeliers and beverage professionals in the area were all getting together and getting excited as the town was growing up and I had a chance to sort of even see generations, not really generations, but the, the next wave of those people in Nashville that I've had a chance to speak with and mentor and become yeah. good friends with. Uh, and now there's a lot of, I mean, back when I started in, in Nashville, there was maybe a single digit amount of sommeliers and wow. in dining restaurants. Yeah. And now you can find a good chunk of them that are pretty yeah. fantastic at most of the good restaurants and places. So it's just a testament to, I think, a town that has grown up in really, in a short period of time. Too, kind of Very short think period about of time, yeah. you know. That's amazing that you've like been able to see all that. That's so cool. And then I came to Etch uh, after moving around. I was in the process of taking some different examinations and was at a couple of locations around town that I loved at, but that thematically maybe didn't fit me yeah. uh, as well, or that maybe had sort of tighter wine programs or where the wine programs weren't the main focus, even though I was trying to add something to it and what have you. I had been, actually strangely enough, the first fine dining restaurant that I worked at here was, uh, it's closed now, it was called The Boundary, which actually Deb Paquette, our executive chef, worked at originally. I had heard about her for years, but had never actually kind of met her, and then just the pieces kind of fell to where uh, I got to know one of the previous sommeliers here who works with a distributor in the area. We became good friends, and then at some point he had mentioned that they were looking for a role, and uh, he was sweet enough to put in a good word for me. Oh, that's awesome! And ended up actually getting a chance to sort of sort of meet her directly and be part of one of the restaurants in Nashville that has hung its hat on that particular tier of exceptionalism, exceptionalism in terms of, of food. Uh, certainly, awesome. what she's done. I mean, she's been a matriarch uh, in Nashville for that purpose for twenty odd plus years. So, and the idea of I mean, I'm not a young lad anymore, so <laughs> I think, and my experience in wine isn't as new as it, it was. I think maybe when you're getting into it, you have this idea that you want to build a program that's going to show you off, and then little by little you learn that you need to maneuver with what guests want. Mm. And then in this case, I got a chance to sort of be part of something to where the beverage was intended to be the backseat to build around something where the food is the primary mm -hmm. focus. And that makes it more exciting for me because it creates certain kind of guardrails but you have to sort of really understand how to maneuver everything to showcase uh, and to elevate, hopefully, uh, what's already there in the food section. So it wasn't really about, uh, certainly I have my little plugs that I like to put in, <laughs> but with the idea that it has a, a place. Well, thank you so much for everything. Oh, you have a question? Go ahead. Oh, well, would you like, beer this uh, Portugal wine in, in the restaurant? Ooh. It would round out the venison. 
pretty normal. It, 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 there's a couple of directions that I would go with the vest that we have over here, which is normally considered a you know, pretty kind of gamey meat, but yeah. the cut that we have here is so tender. It, it almost doesn't even have any of that, just enough of the spice to really retain it. But I don't think I've had venison anywhere else that was kind of this tender that you can be a strict steak fillet person and still transition easily into it. But the uh, the texture, it will definitely bring out a lot of the more luscious, I think, flavors in the meat itself. Although, if you did want to get a little bit more grit, a little bit more spice, we have a Sangio um, Vese blend out of the south of Italy with a bit of Sagantino in it from Defago that definitely works the spice end of it. Mm -hmm. Dark, kind of smoky. But uh, yeah, this is definitely in that category. Or if you just venison. good old classic filet, yeah. this will be fine as well. But the well, what about the, the Verdicchio? The Verdicchio, it's kind of hard to gauge where chef is going to take uh, our rotating uh, fish special. Yeah, you all kind of change your menu yeah, a lot yeah, too. Yeah, 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 she yeah. rotates. Yeah. The main menu stays generally kind of stable except with transitions yeah. over time. Mm -hmm. But we always have a completely rotating uh, from the sea special that's uh, chef's selected uh, fish. And then the build of it is whatever whim uh, strikes her and strikes the team. And then it becomes fun. And there's a lot of them uh, that this kind of works well with. But the scallop dish that we have as well, which is, scallops can be kind of a gentle protein, but the dish that we built around it has a bit more oomph, a bit more yeah. okay. spice and, and bite, and uh, these, this will definitely kind of play. Now it's bad. hungry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have lunch, did I? Oh, so you had to rub it in now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you so much, this Rob. This has been awesome. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you. Wait, how do I say, how do I say your name? Gimarai. 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 Gimar